Welcome to Zero O'Clock, a podcast created to be a safe space to learn and grow. Grab your favorite drink and join us. Now brewing sukiyaki. We need an intro. We <laughs> do. <laughs> I'm not, we're I both, like, not musicians, so I have no idea like where to begin. Yeah, I don't want to get copyrighted. Yeah, we can't just take a sound. And then we, like, we have our one friend. I mean, I, I can think of him right now, but his music. <laughs> okay, uh, quick story. So <laughs> this is kind of horrible. We're horrible friends for this. But him and his band, he... They made an album, it's on Spotify, we're not going to say the name, and he had us listen to it all the time, and I feel like it was just like, everybody knew that it wasn't good, so everyone just kept, kept a pushing, like no one said it, we just let him play it, let him live in the moment, and, but it wasn't him, it wasn't him, the singer was just really, really bad it wasn't him he knows what he's doing but he could have had a better vocalist for his band Mm -hmm. anyways welcome to this week's episode yes (laughs) (laughs) it's a very this is a time even though it's usually the same recording day it's just a different time so our attitudes are probably very different Yes, it is currently 8 p.m. on a Friday after a very, very busy week. And sadly, we might be recording at this time all the time now. I mean, the reason why is a pretty good reason, but Mm -hmm. it still sucks. So you girl finally got a job. I'm making money. I'm ready to spend it all. I told my dad, I was like, hey, like, I'm going to get this. And he was like, you're already spending money that you didn't even make yet. But why is he such a hater? Like, why can't he hype me up? Like, I don't need this energy, Dad. Just let me. I'm ready. And I kept saying, like, like, when I get my first paycheck, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Girl, it ain't going to stretch that far. Like, you need to tone it down. But yes, I finally got a job. It was very random. I was supposed to not start working until the summer, but I call text the question and all of a sudden they're like, hey, do you want this job? I'm like, I'm student teaching, but if I can have it right now, then sure. So I only work a few hours a week, but it's enough to get me a BTS album. (laughs) It's the thought that counts. It's the mindset that counts. Yes. Um, but we are very happy for you. We're rooting for you. Thank you. How exciting. But yes, the only con is that we now have to record later. Yeah. Our schedules do not match at all. And this was kind of like the only empty slot we were able to find. Um, but yeah, it just shows adulthood, man. Yes. It's always something I was worried about for later seasons for however long we decide to do this, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. Yeah. We have the beginning of when we want to start season three, so that's good. Yes, we're really excited. Um, so basically for now, season two is all planned and finished in our brains. Um, and then a little extra towards the end. So it's really exciting and we're really, um, happy. Um, but we'll see how it goes and we'll see where it takes us. Yes. And I think as a gift for ourselves slash to each other's, we, to each other's, to each other, we should get like mics, like matching mics. Yes. Oh, that'll be so cool. I I haven't said it. This is my first time saying it out loud because honestly, I have like no idea where to begin on like getting a good mic for this. Mm-hmm. So we'll just see. We'll figure it out. 
Oh my god, that would be great. It could be like our birthday gift slash graduation gift, like big gift. Now that you mentioned that, have we ever said and talked about our birthdays? No, I don't think so. Should we save that for our friendship episode? We will. Yes, we will. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that that's that's the update of my life. And what I'm drinking is Dr. Pepper, which (laughs) very random. Um, I probably shouldn't be drinking at eight. I mean, it's a lot of caffeine for someone like me who likes to sleep. Literally. I'm in my bedroom. All I have to do is shut the computer after this, and I'm going to knock out. Like, Kay is not like that. Mm-hmm. Did we? Yeah, that's also not my plan. Did I even, I don't even think we said, like, I'm your co-host. Well, I said, um, welcome, I'm your co-host, Kay, and then you kept talking. <laughs> <gasps> Oof. It's fine. See, that just, at least, day. yes, that just shows the type of day and week that I'm having, but it's okay. I'm your co-host, Carrot, if you didn't know. <laughs> and I'm your co-host, Kay, if you've never heard me before. Yes. And what are you drinking? I'm drinking a hibiscus. Um, I actually had um, the passion tea lemonade earlier. Um, and then... This was, like, way earlier. This was, like, in the morning. And then I was, like, oh, what am I going to drink later for the podcast? Literally half an hour before the podcast started. That was my mentality. Um, and it was too late to get Starbucks because everybody has Starbucks today. And then I came home, and my mom had made hibiscus um, natural water. water. And so I was, like, oh, next best thing. And it's organic. I was actually gonna drink like um, adult beverages on the show, but I started drinking this, so I might as well just finish it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love hibiscus. Um, for a really long time, I didn't know that that was the name. I used to just say it in Spanish all the time. How do you say? But it then I finally Spanish? learned that it was hibiscus. How do you say it in Spanish? Agua de Jamaica. I used to, you know what I used to say? <laughs> I used to say Jamaican water. Jamaica. <gasps> That's in the book that I'm reading to this, my kids, and I don't know oh. how to say it. So I say Jamaica. <laughs> oh, well, it's Jamaica. Oh, wow. I'm like, See, it's italicized. That means it's a Spanish word. And I doubt they're just saying Jamaica. But, like, I never looked it up. And, I mean, there's only the one kid that actually speaks Spanish. And I feel like they should have corrected me a long time ago. So, you know what? It's whatever. I probably just sound like a fool to them and their family. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you he goes home and tells their, like, their parents. No. No, this is when, this is in the afternoon when it's Zoom. So his parents are like in the back. Oh, so then they definitely, they like, after they shut off the computer, they talk and they're like, you got a dumbass t-shirt. Yes. Yes. And literally, this student and their family is the reason why I'm like, I need to make sure that at least I'm trying because my, my like hosting teacher doesn't try. Or, like, it's a very, not that she doesn't try, but it's just a very Americanized, like, I try to, I try to get into my high school (laughs) Spanish mindset, and, like, what would my, not professor, what would my teacher tell me? So, I sound a little better than my hosting teacher, but still, it's nothing. Well, at least you try. That's, that's what counts. Yes. I, I literally am like, hey, how do you say this? <laughs> yeah, for everything. Well, now you know. Now you know it's Jamaica. Jamaica. Don't get it confused with Hikama. Oh, my goodness. Jamaica. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Spanish 101, everyone. Jamaica. 
Uh, <laughs> literally thought it was Jamaica. I'm like, oh, this is such a weird word. I mean, I can't really blame you because that's what I used to say when I didn't know that the word was hibiscus. So. Yeah. Anyways, Spanish 101 with K and Dumbass 101 with K. <laughs> yes, I agree. Agreed and concurred. Anyways. But yeah, we we have a goal for this episode. It's to not talk your ears off for two hours long. Yes. We noticed we've been doing that a lot. So um, we're going to try to dwindle it down. And I think um, in order to try that, this topic is actually really good. Um, so let's see. Let's We're going to be switching up our format a little bit today. Um, so yeah. Yeah, so this was a very short beginning and we're finally going to enter the middle of our podcast at an earlier time oh. than normal. But Kay, take it away. Tell them what this episode is all about. Oh my gosh. I have been waiting for this since I did the script. Um, so as you probably heard earlier in the intro, we're going to be talking about sukiyaki pretty sure my pronunciation is very wrong but um it is not the food it is the song so it's a song that actually derives from um this person called kyo sakamoto um and this song was released in 1961 um but it actually gained a lot of international attention and it, it ended up being uh, the number one in the Billboard Hot 100 in, until 1963. Um, so by then, the Hot 100 charts had started in 1958. And um, so it was kind of still relatively new, still relatively Western music. Um, at this point, it was, I'm pretty sure, the second or third song that had topped the Hot 100 um, that was a non-English song. Imagine, this was 1963. Ever since then, only eight non-English songs have achieved a number one spot in the Hot 100. So that's, that says a lot. And I think there has only been either two or three that have not been European languages. Mm-hmm. So it's a little sad, but. Interesting. Yes. Um, this was also the song Sukiyaki um, was the first song to be on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, and it was the first by an Asian artist to do so. So before that, the song or two songs that had achieved this already, they were from a German artist. Um, so oh. it was a foreigner, but it was still European based. Um, so yes, that's a little background on sukiyaki. Um, sukiyaki is actually a Japanese dish that I think they're main ingredient is just it to have meat um but the reason it was titled sukiyaki is because the original title um is i look up as i walk and um obviously in japanese it's going to be a little bit longer and therefore the pronunciation was going to be tougher to um articulate or uh say so the person that had quote unquote discovered sukiyaki because he thought it was or because he knew it was a japanese song the only way to connect it to japan was through food and it was something that he understood which was his favorite dish which is sukiyaki um take that as you will you know i could i could unpack a lot of that right there but (laughs) Um, the intention was there. Um, 
so this was actually already really popular before 1963. It was already really popular in Japan and its surrounding areas. Um, and I think it had also gained a lot of uh, attention in China. And there was a, um, I read the story and I can't remember. I'm, um, I think it was a foreign exchange student was studying in some city in the West Coast and they had the CD and they were playing sukiyaki in the dorm. Mm-hmm. And the, the person that quote unquote discovered sukiyaki heard it and um, he found it really catchy. And then he asked um, permission to like um, borrow the CD. And then he gave that CD to one of his friends um, because her father was a radio DJ or something like that. So he was he started to play it in the radio. Mm-hmm. And then that's how it kind of like gained attention in the United States. And after that, it was able to top Billboard Hot 100 because it was very catchy. When you listen to Sukiyaki, it's actually it does have a very catchy tune. It's a very folk-like song. But the lyrics to it is actually very, very sad. So the inspiration comes from the uh, writer of the song. And this was written during a time where Japanese students were protesting uh, U.S. military presence in Japan. And they were protesting at the uh, legislators. And they they felt dejected. They they felt um, there was a kind of a sense of defeat because um, even though through their protests they tried to uh, stop uh, and avoid U.S. military, um, the Japanese uh, policymakers and all of that decided to go forward and sign um, treaties in order to keep U.S. military presence in Japan. So after this, um, this feeling of dejectedness um kind of carried over and um it's written in the sense of um what it like uh like a lost love like there's something that was missing and that you can't ever get back and so what happened is um the the actual title of it is i look up as i walk so the it's the feeling of uh, if you hear the original song by Kyo Sakamoto, um, he it sounds like he's whistling, and it's because he's looking up to the sky um, and whistling in order to avoid his tears from falling. Um, and um, this was in the obviously the 1960s era, um, which was finally the time where Japan was emerging in. Uh, the global market and the global eyes once again after World War II. So, you know, there was a lot of heavy feelings in Japan specifically about all of this. Um, So the lyrics to it is actually very, very sad. Um, But because, you know, in the United States, we don't focus on that and we care more about sounds, nobody really knew that. And they just sounded like a really catchy tune. And when you listen to the original, you don't think all of this. You don't think, you know, to look up at the lyrics because they sound like happy lyrics mm-hmm. when they're not. So that's my little background on Sukiyaki. Yes, I didn't know about this song until Kay told me about it because it was covered by Selena. And I I never even ended up watching the show, like I said it was going to, like, Mm -hmm. series on Netflix. But, yeah, so Kay told me about this song, and I looked it up, and I found some of the similar information, but not as much. And I learned a lot more from you. But my main thought was the fact that it did become so popular, especially in the United States, knowing... (laughs) 
the type of country that we are and knowing that even nowadays it's so hard to get people to listen to a song that's in another language the fact that back then even so close to when world war ii happened this is a japanese song that really like shocked me but it's also interesting and it's just another way to show like how we get connected by music how music can help us forget about certain things Mm -hmm. and brings us together and I love that but yeah I didn't know that it was about Japanese students protesting I literally just thought it was like yet another love song Mm -hmm. but this is even more sad knowing what the original purpose of this song was for Mm -hmm. and like um that's what I was thinking as well because when I first ever heard sukiyaki it was the selena version selena quintanilla not selena gomez let's (laughs) let's make that clear because there's a very clear distinction but um when i first ever like when i ever encountered when i ever my first time experiencing sukiyaki was the selena version and in spanish um and in this was actually in selena's debut album so the fact that she did a cover um surprised me um but when i heard it like when you hear selena's version it's very romantic it's 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 a kind of a song where you feel that you lost someone Mm -hmm. and it wasn't because of like a breakup but it was because there were situations that just like it was, it was the wrong timing, the wrong moment, like all of these things. Like something was just wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and her version is obviously not the accurate translation to the original Sukiyaki. But um, when I... Okay, so backstory. <laughs> in the Selena show, a little spoiler, um, and especially in the first part, they talk a lot about her um what is it like her musical career like from the very beginning so it starts off from like when she was very little and it chronologically progresses and when she's recording her debut album um they obviously bring up sukiyaki and um at this time they um the company that they were in kind of wanted her to be uh, so before she signed it was always Selena y Los Dinos because y Los Dinos was her musical band behind her. Mm-hmm. But the company, when they found them and they signed them into the, the label, their main concern was obviously money, obviously recognition. Mm-hmm. So they're like, you can keep Los Dinos, you can keep your bands, but when we advertise them, when we market you, you're only going to be known as Selena. We're not going to do Selena y Los Dinos anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though her band was a huge part of who she was as an artist, and her brother was actually her main producer. So one of the arguments that, well, it wasn't an argument, something that they brought up when they were recording, they um, wanted to make a track list that was really good. And with one of the other people that they were working with um her brother ab um gets introduced to sukiyaki the japanese version and his friend is telling him like well you know um this would be a good cover and we can like translate those uh, the lyrics into like spanish and all of this and at this point selena is kind of dejected because um the label isn't letting her you know shine with like los dinos because los dinos was such a huge part of who she was mm-hmm. and she was struggling because they were trying to also change her appearance a lot so she felt like she was not getting a lot of creative liberty and even though that you know the creative liberty is what she had growing up um so at this point like i don't know how accurate this is this is what the show is saying so it could be a little bit um exaggerated but it would it's probably really cool if it's true um but because at this point in when she's recording her debut album 
she feels burnt out. She feels like she's not being listened to. She feels dejected. Um, they get introduced to Sukiyaki, and when um, her AB's friend is telling them, well, the original lyricist wrote this in mind when a Japanese like student, Japanese students were protesting and they felt like they achieved nothing. It was like they lost their biggest love and their love was their country. And um, that scene actually got me really emotional because I was like, oh, now I finally understand why they put Sukiyaki. So when she's recording it, she actually puts a lot of emotion um, into Sukiyaki because for her, even though it wasn't a country, for her, it was her music. And she felt dejected. She felt like she had lost the, the love that she originally had for music in a way that her company was kind of restricting her. Um, and that, like, made me really sad. And I was like, oh, it makes so much sense as to why Sukiyaki, even though the lyrics in her version sound very loving and, well, not loving. It, it looks very love-based. It's a different kind of love. It's not like a romantic love. It's a love where you feel that you cannot achieve, where you cannot go to. Um, and I just found it really interesting that, you know, even though she's not the only person or only artist that has covered Sukiyaki, but um, she did it in such a way that um, it can be for anything. And I'm pretty sure that was the intention in the original version anyway. Yeah, I, I like that. I feel like there are way too many songs that's just about the love of loving someone else and losing a love, but it's never about, I guess, your passion. Like, losing your passion, losing what makes you you, and that's what Sukiyaki is definitely about and what Selena covered. And this just reminds me, bringing it back to BTS, like always, of like Black Swan. And it's just, what do you do when you lose your passion? And that's exactly what this song is. Like, what do you do? How do you feel that sadness? Do you feel that sadness? And the question that we want to bring up is, can we experience that intense feeling of sadness when it's not a physical person sorry i dropped my dr pepper <laughs> uh can can we experience that type of sadness when it's not losing another person i think yes because it's a whole different sadness i don't think we can compare losing a, another person like losing a partner or a breakup to what it means to like lose your passion or not get something that you wanted because it's different when someone else lets you down in like a relationship than when something that you truly love about yourself gets rejected or like yeah. What this just reminds me of, uh, like, especially with Selena, is, yes, she was rejected from the music world, like, her company, but what do you do when you, like, reject yourself? Like, that's what this song makes me think of. Yeah. And that's very hard to process, because what do you, where do you go from there? How do you move on from losing your love for something that you created for yourself. But I feel like that's just what burnout is. Mm -hmm. And nowadays that's a lot of people are burnt out for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like how you brought up BTS because that's also what I was thinking. And I wanted to kind of talk about it at the end, but, um, it just like goes on to also the question that you were talking about um can we experience this this feeling even when it's not you know a romantic partner or anything and 
often like we like you said like we don't think about rejecting ourselves and I feel like more often than not like we do that and we are our biggest critics and therefore like we stop ourselves from achieving great things because we like think about oh but I I can't do that and like we reject so many great opportunities so many great feelings because we're scared we're nervous we we fear so many things and um i just i think when i was when i first heard sukiyaki um the the lyrics got me in the way of like not that i was missing a romantic partner but more of the sense of like i'm scared that one day i'll have something in my life Mm -hmm. that i lose and it'll be my fault because I didn't have the courage or I didn't have the strength to fight for it enough. And I think definitely this song conveys that and conveys this, this notion of sadness of something that you're scared of losing. And then, you know, it could be because of the circumstances that kind of frame it that way, but it, it could also be like you said, like yourself, you could stop yourself from, achieving that and and reaching for that um and I think this song kind of I think mainly because of the the climate the global climate at the time um people were just wanting to be free in whatever way in whatever capacity that they could and the fact that there was so much blockage that there were so many people who didn't want that I can't even begin to imagine how how hard of that dejectedness like consumes you, and you know I'll always bring it back to military and how much I hate the the military, but you know it's like we really had no business there and. You know, there, there's so many notions of, cap, of of nationalism and and what makes a person feel like they belong to a country and all of these things. And like, great, American, great. Like, we take it too far, but yes. But like, imagine that, like, if we feel so strongly about our country, if we feel such a, a pride for our flag, then why can't other countries feel that? Yeah. And why do we have to be there to stop that feeling? And it's just it, like when I first found out the story of, you know, that that was the inspiration for writing Sukiyaki. It makes me sad because it's like, I've been to a few protests and, you know, most of the time what I feel is, I'm not going to say that all of the protests have been happy. They haven't. But most of the time after a protest, I feel great. I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, a sense of hope that something's going to happen. And the few times where it hasn't been that way, you know, you feel like your heart is physically like, you know, um, constrained and someone is squeezing the life out of you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you feel like everything you've worked for isn't achievable like that hurts and the fact that somebody was able to write it in in a way that conveys that I think is so awesome and um it just shows that love like yes it's the universal thing that everyone knows like everyone knows love in all all of its capacities all of its ways and the fact that somebody was able to write about the saddest kind of love um is sad and awesome at the same time (laughs) yeah because the song is about this like sadness isolation what you wrote and I feel like with a partner that's a whole different type of feeling like you cannot compare it to that but with this type of feeling it's like you said like you just fought for something that you clearly couldn't get and it's just like it's upsetting to know that 
this is how yes this was like a japanese song so this is how they felt in japan but even here in america right now after all like years have passed and we still like deal with these issues of feeling isolated in a country that we're supposed to feel welcomed in and that just made me think of how does it feel to be i guess any like person of color just in the u.s mm-hmm. and the whole struggle of like Kay and I, we talked about it a lot. Like, how do we feel? How are we supposed to be American enough and then be Guyanese or Mexican enough? And I feel like this is uh, this song explains that type of like isolation that we feel or sadness that we feel mm-hmm. because it's like these the person that wrote the song, the inspiration behind the song. It's for people who don't feel at home in their own country. And that's how I feel like a lot of people like us feel, first generations feel, where the US is our country, like this is our home, but we can't be accepted or, and will we ever be accepted? And that's the whole meaning of the whole song. It's we're not accepted, will we ever be accepted? And what do you do when you're not? And I love that you can use that whole theme for various things. So Selena, once again, in the music world. Mm -hmm. Yes. And like, even looking at the lyrics, like, um, just looking at the title in itself, like, I look up as I walk. And when you know the reasoning behind it, and the fact that, you know, they're walking away, from what they feel is a failed protest and they're looking up at the sky in order to avoid the tears to fall like imagine being in public and forcing yourself to like not cry because you're surrounded by people who may also feel the same way like that's such a strong emotion but like what gets me is in the original the lyrics go a good fortune is beyond the clouds a good fortune is beyond the sky so I'm looking up and I'm looking forward, imagining that great good fortune in the future. And it's like, even when these feelings of isolation and sadness can consume us, can, can make us feel like we're in a space where we feel like we have achieved nothing, there is still hope. There is still hope that if we reach far enough, if, if we look far ahead, maybe we can get there maybe we can get that good fortune and like you were saying earlier like it could be about anything mm-hmm. it you know and you always no matter what and i feel like probably that's one of however way you look at it like it's the humans like either greatest strength or biggest weakness um, but hope, hope is what like derives a lot from us. And we look at it in the most neediest of times and we cling onto that hope all the time. And sometimes it fails. Sometimes we never get that good fortune, but even all after all of those times that we hope and it fails, whenever we go through a hard time, once again, the first thing we do or the first thing we think of is to start hoping. And, like, I think that says a lot about just how we are as human individuals. But, you know, like, even now, even when, you know, we're going through a time in our country where, you know, we're facing so much racism and xenophobia, we feel like we're being blocked out, you know, as people of color and marginalized in in great capacities. And, you know, especially recently, um, where there has been so many acts of violence and um, just pure xenophobia against Asian and Asian Americans. I think what everyone kind of feels is that there is still hope for a better future. Yeah. And that one day we can achieve not a utopia, but that we live in a better world. Well, I just think if there's no hope, there's literally, is this too dark to say? I don't know, but like no reason to live, basically. I mean, 
wanting your whole like utopia of like a world where there is no racism no like prejudice the only way that can happen if there are people who will believe that that will happen and it's sad if it's sad to know that there could be people who someday we just stop but why would we stop mm-hmm. like there always has to be hope and and going back to the whole title like I love the translated title of this song because it's so ironic like you know like when you win like you stand up tall like you look up you look proud and I love that the title is telling you to do that even if you've lost and that just signifies hope and literally you can't survive without having hope if you have no hope how do you keep going mm-hmm. yeah well said i like that yeah i i didn't really think about that aspect of like you know standing proud when you do win mm-hmm. um, but it's true and you know even I think I think like you said like it's the biggest example of hope in the song that we see and again you know no matter what I feel like our instinct would always be always be hope and to to find even the sliverest of hope in any situation even when you feel like you're drowning mm-hmm. in in sorrow and and it's that's the only way isn't that the only way you get through things? Like, I I don't know about you or anyone else, but I just feel like when I have really bad days and I'm really sad, I feel lonely. I feel isolated. I feel like I can't get through it. The only way I can at least keep going is by hoping that, you know, tomorrow will be better or there will be better days. If I had no hope, would I ever get out of the bad place that I am in? Yeah. Yeah, no, and and my first instinct whenever I have those days is, you know, telling myself, like, we're going to have a good day tomorrow. We're going to have better days, even if today was the worst of them all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can cry. We can be in this emotional sorrow state all the time. But I think talking specifically about me, like, even when I feel like that, even when I feel like I'm drowning in my sorrows and I'm consumed by my sadness, at the end of the day, the one thing that does keep me going and the one thing that keeps me alive is that today was just a bad day. Tomorrow's going to be a better day. And it's that hope that, you know, I don't know what tomorrow brings. I will never know, you know, what tomorrow will bring. And it could probably be a worse day than it was. But the one thing that still kept me here was that hope that maybe it won't be a bad day. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone, you know, especially in our time, besides the fact that, you know, we're dealing with racism and all of these horrible things, but at the same time, we're dealing with a pandemic. And, you know, there's just so much uncertainty the one thing that keeps a lot of us here is the hope that it's gonna end one day. And I feel like the feeling of hope never goes away. Even if you don't realize that you're hoping for something, you always are hoping for the next thing to come. Yeah. And I think that's truly like the one feeling that you could honestly always be feeling. You might not always be happy. You might not always be sad, but you can always be hopeful. Yeah. And I like that's what this song is, where, yes, they didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve, but they can still look up and be hopeful. Yeah. I think that's why I really love the backstory, because we never, first of all, I I never heard songs in today's age where we talk about protest and we talk about um the political climate as much and especially for something like this where you lose and you feel like you lost everything 
and the fact that this song does that and it talks about you know this feeling of dejectedness you know it it still kind of conveys the message that even if we lost it's still worth fighting for it's still worth all of this effort and all of this push to keep going and continue to do that and that one day we will achieve goodness and this good fortune um and maybe that's why like i also will have a very special place in my heart for this specific song um because of that but also um just because it also has a very significant political message that we don't really talk about now and i wish we did there have been a few artists lately that have tried but not in this sense of love and like it bugs me because like so many like artists talk about love and love this and love that but what about this kind of love what about the the love that is lost but yes i haven't heard this song i i didn't hear the song before Kay told me about it but listening to it and looking at the lyrics and the translations and I feel like it's definitely it I I feel like this is it is an example of the fact that man what's the phrase I was thinking of it uh uh, I can't remember that that oh history repeats itself this song was made for a protest in Japan but how crazy that it became such a popular song in the U.S. And now it's honestly a very fitting song for what's going on in the U.S. Not that what's going on in the U.S. is like brand new. Like, mm-hmm. I just think racism is being brought to the surface a lot nowadays. But this is always how our country has been. And I always feel bad saying this because I don't mean it in a rude way, but sometimes it's nice to know that other people struggle with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's my one thing of music where it's like, one, the song was written because the US was over there <laughs> messing shit up like always, but two, it's it's just, I, I, like, the, I like how Selena, went about doing it and it definitely just shows that everyone feels the same way about something yeah and it goes back to the whole where we've talked about in other episodes of knowing that you're not alone in the way that you feel with certain feelings that makes you feel better like I think with me I always feel so isolated and lonely but knowing that I'm not the only one who feels this way makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it gives me more hope that I am a normal person. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like, I, we never talk about that. We never talk about like these feelings of loneliness mm-hmm. are normal for us to feel. And and I feel like it's because there are so many reasons why you could feel that way. And not everyone is going to feel this way for the same reason. So then you feel kind of like weird, I guess, or like guilty for feeling it for something. But like, I think that the original like songwriter of artist of this song and then both the cover like selena's cover and then whoever else has covered it i feel like everyone has done it for a different reason and it just shows that you can have the same feeling for different reasons yeah and you shouldn't be judged for it yeah i think that's also why it has been so popular um because like the Mm -hmm. message is very abstract and so it's yeah. fitting for so many different mm-hmm. reasons. Even with it being popular in the U.S., like if we 
back then if they were listening to the song because they 100% got the true meaning of the song these Americans aren't going to listen to this song (laughs) so it's like it's not and, and, and it's not even the words though it's just like the fact that oh not even the song but like a lot of songs a lot of music like everyone will hear it and it'll make them like it, it just re- reminds you of a certain time of your life yeah I just feel like that's what this song did for so many people in different ways it just reminded them of something else and it was kind of like nostalgic like that's how I felt listening to this song yeah like a weird nostalgia for for like a missing piece that I didn't even realize was missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely the feeling that I get when I listen to it. And it's almost like listening to it, you realize that you're not complete, that something is lacking mm-hmm. and you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think, especially now, like, I think in the big turning points in your life where you're uncertain, you know, this song could come up in different times in your life where you feel that way, and it will always be fitting for that specific moment. I think, like, when I listen to it now, it signifies a certain aspect of my life that I'm feeling, particularly right now, but if I hear it in, like, 10, 15 years, you know, it will be a very different topic, but it will still be fitting for me as a person. Um, And and I guess that's why it's so timeless, why it's such a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that bugs me is that as as we come into a new generation of people, (laughs) we don't really, like, yes, music's good nowadays, but I'm not trying to be that elitist person and say like but old music was better mm-hmm. but it's just like sometimes we just don't realize that there there was really good music that we never paid attention to and even now like in our generation there there's music that really does move you and and, and convey these emotions mm-hmm. but they're very rare and not a lot of people listen to it and yes I hate that people don't take the time to understand music anymore yeah it's it's very upsetting and I feel like people who do understand aren't around me like specifically for me they aren't around me so then I look like this weirdo that's like analyzing songs and how does this make me feel and crying to literally just the beat of a song oh my god that was me with zero o'clock I had to put it up yeah it's like I, I don't even know I don't have to know what these people are saying like they created this for a reason like this is their art they made it to feel a certain way and at the end of the day like we're all humans we all feel the same thing so whatever they're trying to convey i'm feeling it they did a good job this is a good piece of art Mm -hmm. and the fact that people nowadays they don't care or they don't try or see it in that way is just, it's just crazy. And I feel like this goes back to, I forgot, it it was you that I was talking to about this, I think, how like music back then was used to make political statements and stuff. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, Music is just music. And not, not, not to say that music can't just be music. Like we, I'm not saying that there can't be a song that's just a good, like, I'm gonna shake my ass in the club. <laughs> like I'm not saying there's not that type of music, mm-hmm. but I miss when music meant something. And every time I do learn about a song, it's always older songs. And I think that's why, like, I hate, like, I hate, I hate, I hate always bringing it back to BTS. But for people who only see BTS as this boy group they don't understand that they truly make some songs all of their songs most of their songs with real meaning yeah and I I don't even want to label just BTS I just feel like 
a lot of non-Westerners because Western artists nowadays, they're just in it for the money. Mm-hmm. They, not many of them are doing much really. Like, what the fuck was I supposed to feel listening to a driver's license? I felt nothing. <laughs> but like, again, going back to BTS, I was about to say another band. Oh my God. But going back to BTS, um, because you said this earlier, but I like, I remember the first time, this was for basically all of their songs, but the one that like strikes me to my core to this day is the first time I heard Zero O'Clock um, was in real time when it dropped. And at that moment, it was actually a week before um, my life went to pieces. <laughs> and um, I gave myself the, I don't think that was the biggest burnout of my life, but it was at a point in my life where I was second guessing my career and what I wanted to do and the risk that I was putting myself in by being in that space. And the fact that, you know, after that I had zero o'clock to guide me through that feeling, it was really helpful. But at the moment that I first heard zero o'clock, I didn't even know what the lyrics were. I didn't know what they were trying to say like I just I I kid you not the second the beat started I was bawling my eyes out and in the track list the first song I mean the song before that is oh so like the fact that I was crying after such a hyped song I was so confused and then a few hours later like the lyrics came out and I was like wait that makes so much sense that that's why I was crying I was sobbing my eyes out and it felt like they were telling, they were comforting me in a way that I didn't understand how. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just how music should always be. And yes. I feel like now, especially reverting back to talking about older generations and their kind of musical influence is that it was hard. It was, like when we think about it now, like music for us is so accessible. It mm-hmm. is so you know, within our fingertips, like all music through all borders is achievable through a press of a button. Uh And even though it's so timeless, it's so limitless, we limit ourselves to certain songs and certain genres. Uh And there's not that feeling of physically picking up the music that you want, physically touching music in that way and I feel like that's also why our generation is kind of losing the feeling of what true music really is and And I just feel like people are taking music for granted and taking music taking advantage of music that's what I wanted to say because there are some people who I'm like you're you're just trying to sing for no reason and that goes to literally like really stupid things like my examples are going to sound stupid because they are but it's just like not every Disney Channel star needs to be making music not I'm tired of these YouTubers coming out with like EPs like what are you doing Like, can we leave that for the people who genuinely Mm -hmm. have a talent for music? Not to say that they're horrible at it, but I'm just like, I feel like music is being used as just a way to make money at this point. And music used to not be like that. And I feel like younger generations don't understand that. And honestly, even people like a year or two younger than me don't understand that. And it's crazy. Like, okay, let's use Driver's License, for example. I don't think it's a bad song. I like the meaning of the song, but it's a very just, like, teenage love type of song. And maybe it's because I'm not a teenager anymore, and so I'm not with the times. But even then, it's like, one, I like to keep up with the T. So I know the backstory of the whole Driver's License and the Sabrina Carpenter background like I know all of that but it just sounds childish and stupid and literally like the three of them are just trying to do this for money at this point like maybe if it didn't come off as like a publicity stunt then 
her song would have been a little better. But especially with the other two, like coming, like Joshua and Sabrina, I feel like Kay has no idea what I'm talking about. No, I do. Okay. I feel like the other two making their own song, I'm just like, um, this is like for no reason. Yeah. And I am still to see the hype. Like, I get it. The the team fits. But, like, that's what angers me. That's what makes me upset. Because, you know, um, when she got, you know, number one on Billboard 100, I was so shocked that it was so easy for them, or for her specifically, to, mm-hmm. to achieve such a high, again, not to be elitist, not to, like, um what is it gatekeep (laughs) um a chart but like that is one of the hardest charts to make it big on yeah I was shocked I'm like this song really like it's not a bad song and like I get why she wrote it and I get the meaning behind it and I've been heartbroken I felt the way that this song was making me was supposed to make me feel but I just think it just sounds like every other heartbreak song, you know? Yeah. That like that's that's my initial with it because it's like it didn't it didn't give anything. Like it's just like I, I think basic going pop through, sounds like. Yes, I think if you're going through a breakup right now and you need like a go to breakup song, blast driver's license and sit in the dark and eat some ice cream. You do you. But for it to get that much hype, I mean I'm sorry if we just sound like a bunch of haters like I I don't really mean to come off like that but it's like driver like (laughs) biggest hater but it's just I feel like like I said I feel there's music for a time and a place the the title of this episode this song this type of music is very different than like the I guess the aesthetic that driver's license was trying to do Yes. And it's like, if a love song is going to be on the charts, at least let it be a a good love song. (laughs) Like a love song like... I feel like it only got on the charts because of the like juicy like Disney Channel stars. Yeah. And that's what like, again, no hate to them. Like whatever their issues are, okay. I, I guess like fix it, whatever. But like, that's what pisses me off that it's like the fact that these you know you get access to the charts because of who you are and Mm -hmm. it it, it like doesn't even have to be just about music it's about everything and it's the fact that people who are privileged people who have money people who have access to these things always get good things happen to them and then the people who really try and who really work hard for these things and who really convey strong messages don't. Like, I, like it's, the, it's the one person I'm just, like, thinking about right now. And, like, I just have to say it. J. Cole. Nobody. He's not, like, you know, when we think about hip-hop rappers, like, we think about Drake. We think about Jay-Z. We think about mm-hmm. these people. To be to be a like genuine person, like if you know who J. Cole is, then you know something. But if you only tell me, oh, I listen to Drake, I listen to Kanye, I listen to Jay-Z, well, yes, I respect you. Not like that. <laughs> and it goes to the same notion of of this, of you know, the the people that do get to get in the charts. And it's like J. Cole also has had songs that have conveyed messages like that are so deep and like a lot of people mm-hmm. didn't know but he was at the black lives matter protest mm-hmm. um over the summer and he but has it, done a lot of political messages and he never got charted and it's not but because just, yeah, but it's also because like what yeah but this this just shows like what we're trying to say where it's like music it, it, it is it really about the meaning anymore? Like, I, I feel like, I, I don't know. 
I feel like I'm being a hypocrite because I do listen to, I listen to a wide range of music. So I'm sitting here like trashing driver's license, but it's on my like playlist right now. But at the same time, like I said, music has a time and place. So I feel like I can listen to driver's license and like, cat like casually listen to it, like chill or whatever. But I then know like deep music. I know like true meanings behind songs like and 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 it is it is upsetting but but I feel like that just shows like I guess like the laziness of listeners like people don't want to sit and try to understand messages that artists like J. Cole are trying to convey they rather just sit there and understand easy lyrics yes under understand some red light green light (laughs) yes like literally easy lyrics like for 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 real strong political messages and music like you really have to understand what the words are saying how they're structured and all of that like you not that you have to be an intellectual about it but you have to sit there and think and really process it and I feel like nowadays like people don't want to do that Mm -hmm. so yes I am gatekeeping music I don't know. I get it. Everyone has different tastes, but just can some of y'all like take some time and like listen to some real deep stuff? Like sukiyaki. Yes. So why why don't you start there, you know? Yeah. It's a great starting point. Maybe it'll give you some inspiration, you know, some hope. Maybe it'll help you find yourself again, whatever you're missing. Yes. Don't look for it. Don't look for it in a yes that boy ain't gonna answer your text message he don't want nothing to do with you move on yeah just let it go try try, focus on yourself put yourself first always that's my motto in life anyways before I get banished for being a music gatekeeper (laughs) we've reached the end i think we have (laughs) i hope i hope you enjoyed this episode and you get where we're coming from about music and you you liked our little take on what sukiyaki means and i hope you take the time and energy to actually look into it and hear the original version and Selena's because hers is just as good. Yes, and get away from the up like I don't I don't even know like the term for it. The like music that trends. I feel like there's a name for it. Up and coming music? I guess so. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Just um, like Expand your horizons. Yes. I, I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna say broaden your branch. <laughs> Oh, I cannot. I can't think right now. (laughs) Anyways, yes. So yes, follow us on Instagram and TikTok Zero O'Clock Podcast and Twitter Zero O'Clock Pod. And I hope you all have a very lovely whatever day you're listening to this. (laughs) Yes, we'll be back next week with don't remember right now (laughs) i don't either that's how life is yes but thank you for joining us this week and we'll be back next week bye bye